said, um, obviously fantastic experience with all them, but um, right now I'm actually in Brighton. Currently my football club is North Carolina Courage, um, but I'm on North to Brighton. Um, the standards of the league in America and the league in England is so high. Um, it's very competitive. There's world-class players in both leagues and uh, by being here I'm just getting better and better and obviously I've been to Australia, I've played in Scotland, um, played in Ireland and you know they were they were top leagues as well that developed me as a player so I was lucky to get to experience a lot of different leagues. Yeah. Uh, how have the playing styles varied between like the different teams and leagues you've played for? Um, well I would start off with probably saying between America and England because they're my most recent uh, leagues that I played in. Um, I think the playing style is is quite different. I think in England it's a bit more technical um, compared to the American League. The American League is a lot of athleticism and a very transitional game. Um, but I think the quality of leagues are quite uh, similar. They're both very high standard with world factors. Uh, which league was the hardest to adapt to and why? Um, I would say probably the American League. I think because obviously I've been there now four years. I've only been in the English League for um, not even two months. So I think moving to America, um, I was pretty young. I was only 22 at the time, I think, maybe. Um, and it was a very difficult move for me. Uh, moving away from my family obviously was huge. Um, and then going to you know, a place halfway across the world. But I think adapting to the league was very tough. Um, I just came from Scotland and I was young. I wasn't strong enough yet. Um, so I had to adapt to the quickness of the league, uh, the pace, um, the athleticism of all the players there. So I would definitely say America is on the top of my list. Yeah. Uh, the 2020 campaign was launched in here in Ireland to promote the women in sport. What has been your experience in the terms of inequality between male and female game, whether this be club or international level? Uh, yeah, of course, there's a, there's a lot of that going on uh, still to this day. Um, and I think it, it is getting better for sure. And I think the 2020 is doing a, a fantastic job in promoting women's, women's football and women's sport. Um, as I said, there's a lot of it going on. I think, as, you, as you've seen a couple of years ago, um, the women's national team, you know, changing their tracksuits in the airport and bathrooms, all that was going on. So there was a, a lot of inequality there. You wouldn't see the men's team doing that back in, ta in that time. But I think um, it's definitely getting better. And hopefully it gets better for the next generation of young girls that, you know, want to, want to play for their national team. What do you think needs to happen to achieve equality between the male and female game? Um, I think we need to attract more supporters, to be honest, um, in the women's game. I think we need more support in Ireland for the Women's National League. I don't think they have a whole lot of support yet, and you know they need more resources. So hopefully that happens, and that will be a, that will be a big step forward. Uh, you've been an integral part of the senior national team for a number of years now, and have previously said your aim would to be reach a major tournament with the Irish team. The current Euro qualifying campaign hasn't quite gone to plan, suffering a recent defeat to Ukraine and a draw against Greece. In your opinion, what could you put your recent form down to? Why haven't results gone quite your way? 
Um, I think a lack of concentration. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, all the goals that we've conceded apart from Germany have been from our own mistakes. So I definitely think it comes down to um, a lack of concentration and just and for us as well, just scoring score more goals. Um, we've had a few few chances in every game that you know, we just weren't quite clinical enough in front of the goals. So I think it comes down to that as well. You played Germany at home in Tala on Tuesday, December the 1st, a huge game in your hopes of qualifying. This will prove to be a tough test. Germany are already group winners. How are you feeling ahead of this game? I'm very excited. Um, it's a huge game for us. Obviously, Germany are, I would say, the best team in the world right now. They've won World Cups. They've won European Championships. Um, but I'm, I'm very excited. I think the girls are also very excited. We're up for the challenge. We know how how tough of a game it's going to be, but we have to win, um, so we'll go in with that mentality and it's going to be it's going to be a real challenge, but we're excited. What does the future hold for you? Where would you like to see yourself in five years' time? Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure. I'm still, you know, I have a few years left in America, so I'm really enjoying my, my time there at the moment. And, uh, for me, I don't really set goals and you know look too far ahead. I just just want to become a better player and grow as a player every day. So in five years' time, we'll see. I hope to have got to a major tournament by them with the national team. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And lastly, Ireland playing against England in the final this e in a friendly this evening. What's your prediction for the game? I think Ireland are going to win one 0 <laughs> It's been great chatting to you today, Denise. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Lloyd. Thanks very much. Good afternoon, Noel. Welcome to Blackrock College Radio. On behalf of the football team, we're very happy to have you here. My pleasure. Noel Hunt is an, is an Irish retired footballer who's currently his system manager at Swindon Downs. He played for many teams in his career, such as Shamrock Rovers, Leeds United and Reading FC in the English Premier League. Noel also made three caps for the Irish national team. So now we get to the interview. Let's go. My first question is, who did you look up to when you were growing up? Like, what footballer did you look up to? Um, for me, I think it was the old Ronaldo. Not too sure you boys will uh, remember him, but he was the Brazilian Ronaldo, uh, number nine. Yeah. Um, for me, he's still the best player you know, in the world, very close to Messi uh, and Ronaldo. But it, what he had to overcome and his injuries, you know, he had perfected what, um, probably perfected the type of striker that Ronaldo is. Um, and due to injuries, he had to go back and relearn his game again. Yeah. And and, and become a, a poacher, you know, a, a box striker and end up being the best in the world at that as well. So for me... No, it was him, Brazilian Ronaldo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And was it always was it always a plan for you to play in England and Scotland, or did you always want to play in the League of Ireland? No, to be honest, I didn't really want to play football when I was growing up. I was a goalkeeper, um, yeah. and the only reason for that is because my brother used to put me in goal. <laughs> so obviously, I've got the up middle of Stephen, who played obviously with Ireland and with me at Reading and you yeah. know Wolves and. And that, so he used to stick me in goal as as being the older brother. He had the uh, the authority, so yeah. I just end up being in goal. But I end up going on trial in England as a goalkeeper at the Crystal Palace. 
Now, obviously, I'm I'm I'm, a bit, I'm still five foot nine now, so I was never going to be tall enough. But uh, yeah, but yeah, so I never really I only started playing football when I was fourteen. So 14. to be to end up having the career I did, I mean, you know, I'm very very blessed, very lucky, you know, very grateful to be honest. Um, because I never really wanted to be a footballer, I wanted to do some animals and whatnot. Like so, um, I ended up kind of falling in love with falling in love with football over time. Um, and with Stephen being around it and stuff, he, you know, he left for England when he was very young. Um, yeah. I thought, you know, it's a path that I quite like as well. So I just, you know, worked really hard. Um, and I never, I never myself ever going to be a footballer. If I'm being honest, I never thought that I would be good enough um, so I just thought that I'd just play with my friends on the street um, because that was our academy back in them days we didn't have academies as we do now you know we had you know training on a Tuesday on a, on a Thursday night and that was it so I was very very lucky and the friends I had were very football orientated who were all a lot better than me um, but they made me play and obviously with playing the hours I did in the evenings you know, morning, noon and night when we had time off. But yeah. I ended up being, being, you know, reasonably good at it. So from there, I kind of just took it as a stepping stone that, you know, I went, I, I was at Waterford. Um, I played against Shamrock Rovers in the game uh, without signing for Waterford at the time. I hadn't signed for Waterford. So when when they asked me to go, I thought, well, it's another game of football, so I'll go play it. And then, they ended up offering me a contract, professional contract on money, so I thought, well, why not? If I can get paid for playing football, you know, I'll do it. And that was and that was the whole way of the start of my career, if you like. Yeah, that's a mental story, I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite crazy stuff. So, uh, when you were saying there that you, you left Scotland, there's a massive like, difference in the quality. Is it true that you turned down a move to Celtic? Like when you're at Reading, and would that have been a reason, or what were your reasons for turning down that move? No, uh, yeah, I mean, any other day of the week, you know, being Irish lads and supporting Celtic as as much as I did from when I was growing up and whatnot, you know, um, it was a big decision, you know. Um, but for me, the the main pull to Reading was number one, they just they've been in the Premier League, and number two. My brother was there, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was always a dream. I never thought I'd be on the same level as my brother because Stephen was a different kettle of fish. He yeah. wanted he wanted to play for Red. Uh, he wanted to play in the Premier League. Life, a two, three year old was the football. I never, I was never that guy, you know. Um, I never, never wanted to be a footballer. Like I said to you earlier, um, so when I had a chance to go and play with him. Um, I couldn't turn it down, no matter how big the, you know, the the, the lollipop of Celtic was. Um, I just thought it was a dream for me to go play to play at my brother one day, and it's 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 a it's definitely a decision I stand by that I really I really chose that I you know I made the right decision because I made some great memories with him. Yeah, every big factor. So if Stephen was at Celtic, would you have gone to Celtic? Ah, Stephen. Anywhere else, I probably would have gone to Celtic, you know, because yeah. I don't know, I'm not so sure Red would, would have been interested in me or would have known as much about me. I'm, I may be giving Red a, a disservice there because the recruitment is so is excellent. Um, and in terms of you know their wide their, their 
to avoid, you know, vast. They, they, they go all around the world to pick out players. So, um, I, if, I mean, at, at the time it was again Redden that were in that that the bids had been accepted for. So, in terms of that, um, I just I just felt that I couldn't turn down a chance to play with me brother. You know, two two brothers in the same team. It doesn't happen that often. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, it didn't matter really who who the other club was. I just I just thought that going to play with me brother was was more was meant more to me as a as a family man than anyone. You know? Yeah. And you scored eight goals in the 2011-12 season when Reading were promoted to the Premier League, which was a big part to play in the promotion. But do you feel that this season was a dream come true, being promoted to the Premier League? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> you say that the season before that, we um, we just got been beaten in the playoff final. Yeah. You know, and that was, you know, we're, we're, we're the team to ever, to ever be beaten in the playoff final and win the league the following year so it shows the character of the boys we had I mean we lost two of our best players back then as well after that cup final we lost Shane Long to West Brom for a, a big fee and we lost uh, Matt Mills to Leicester for around £5 million so two of our best players our most valued players had gone and um, obviously when think that, that your dream of playing the Premier League could, could have been that chance you know so with that so when you got promoted to the Prem, you were saying earlier that the level of quality in the championships was like really good. But obviously the Premier League's different gravy. There was like you, had, you came against players like like Manny Vidic and Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, like world class players. But who do you think was the best defender or just player in general that you played against in the league that year? It's so funny um, because you you know you're right in what you're saying in terms of. Um, the, the Premier League being, you know, obviously the, cre- the creme de la creme of football, and uh, but uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I honestly found the championship a harder league to, to 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 compete and to win and to play in because, uh, I mean, I felt myself getting more time in the Premier League on the ball. Um, the difference was that when you gave the ball away in the Premier League, you were playing against multi-million-pound players that would go and hurt you. And uh, I, I do honestly think that the the uh, the Premier League, you are given a bit more respect on the ball, and, and but when you do give it away, you know you are punished a lot of the time. Whereas I think the uh, Championship is a lot more competitive. It's a lot more brutal. There's a lot more games. You got to be physically, I'd probably say physically stronger and, and more um, more suited to that kind of, you know, I'd say you put your body through a pound it. You know, every week because every game is is a tough, tough game, and it's not as pretty as the Premier League in terms of football played sometimes. You know, so yeah. uh, I totally agree. Listen, the players you play against are are amazing. And again, I've been very lucky to play against some of the best players in the world. Um, but for me, I think I mean I've, I've played against Barcelona back when I was at Dundee United, um, yeah. And they and they all played Iniesta, Xavi, Ronaldinho played, Etu played, Messi played. You know these boys. It was actually Henri, Henri's favorite Barcelona game. Um, and I got his shirt after the game, so I was quite for that one. Um, so in terms of 
in the Premier League, oh, you could pick any. I mean, Paul Scholes was, you know, he's a delight player. You know, yeah. Wayne Rooney. You can't remember that were, you know, have they, they they probably won't be appreciated until, you know, they turn fifty or sixty, and people look back and go, wow, look what they do, and they won, you know, European titles and and this kind of stuff. You know, Coutinho was a fantastic player. Mo Salah played. You know, so I've been so lucky to to to, to be on the same football pitch as these players, um, and uh, uh, it, it's just for me sometimes. And this this may sound sound crazy, but I had the best seat in the house sometimes because obviously you're playing against like Liverpool, and and don't get me wrong, we're giving them a good game, and um, we're scoring goals against these teams. Um, but I'm at the halfway line watching the likes of Liverpool attack with Coutinho, Stevie Gerrard, you know, Mo Salah. And I'm sitting back at the half of the line going, this is great watching. But obviously knowing that I've got a job to do as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I got to see some great goals from my view. And I'll never forget, you know, I scored a great goal against against Newcastle, my first Premier League goal. Um, and then Demba Bath took the limelight straight off me with an unbelievable over-the-shoulder volley uh, in a 2 all draw at our place. Um, and it actually, I thought, wow... I, I was, I was so good because I was still in the celebrating the goal. Yeah. But at the same time, I have to appreciate what this what this lad had done, like from a a fifty all over his shoulder. Um, and you know he he's he, he managed to vol- score an unbelievable volley against their goalkeeper Alex McCarthy, who yeah. will be Southampton yeah. goalkeeper at the moment. Yeah. So, um, listen, you could you could name any one of them players. You know, Salah was excellent. Coutinho was very good. Um, you know, Scholes was, I mean, for me, my United fans, so Scholes was a big one for me. Giggs, I shared a medical table with Giggs when the got split open. Uh, Emmanuel Village, you know, busted me open in the back of my head. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had a good chat with Ryan Giggs in the medical room at Old Trafford after it because I had to get my head stapled. Um, and he was just top, a top, top guy. You know, these people yeah. that that go to the top are not just like really, really good people, yeah. are good, but they're top people as well. Which makes it all the better, you know. I mean, the the big, the higher you go, I'm so sure that the, the less egos there is in football, you know. Yeah. And I was saying earlier that you made a few appearances for Ireland back in the day, but yeah, you were playing against Italy a few years ago, and you and Robbie Keane both went for a ball, <laughs> and they ended up going in. But I don't think anyone knows who got the final touch was it you or Robbie. So who do you think who scored that goal? Yeah. I know who scored it. <laughs> I wouldn't have said I deserve it otherwise. Um, it's not in my nature. I've always been a, a totally honest person. And whoever, if anyone knows me, um, knows that I'm one. I'm, I'm brutally honest, and I'm a very loyal guy. And um, it's not. It's not in my interest to be stealing goals off people. It doesn't do me any favors. I would never do it. Uh, but what I do know is that I, that I scored there. So listen. Uh, there was a couple of other things about that how it was handled in terms of you know, the people above above the team and the staff you know in the FAI um, that that handled it really poorly um, in the way they went around it. So yeah. for me, I was just disappointed in how they you know how they how they saw it and what they saw um, and how they how they did did rather you know just. Let it be the way it was, instead of upsetting a few people, um, instead of doing the right thing. So, I'm, you know, 
it's very disappointing how the FA, FAI handled it, if I'm yeah. being very honest. Yeah. Um, it wasn't right. And and while you were playing for Ireland, who would you say was the best player you played alongside? Oh, I, I think Robbie Keane's got to be up there with the, one of yeah. the best players in Irish football. And they, listen, for me, listen, you know, I grew up watching Robbie Keane, uh, even though he's only probably six or seven years older than me. Now I, I remember Saipan. I was up every morning. I was playing for Shamrock Rovers, and I had my Ireland jersey on. Like, and but for me, uh, most, the best player that I played, I think, was most, most for me is Damien Duff. You know, to see him in training, how he moves the ball, and I do think he was ahead of his time. You know, yeah. went to Chelsea, done it. Um. So for me, yeah, Damien Duff. So thanks so much for taking time out of your day to come on and talk to us. We really appreciate you coming on the show and we wish you the best of luck with Swindon. No problem, David. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you. Thank you, Noel. See you, guys. Bye. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to join us on Blacker College Radio. Uh, let's just get straight into it. Uh, you were the first player to ever be sent off in an FA Cup final. Tell us about that moment. Um... Well, it was about 1985. Um, the incident happened, I think it was in about the 78th minute of the game. It was nil all at the time. And um, it was a pass that Paul McGrath put to me and left it a little bit short. And as I slid in to get it, the Everton player, Peter Reid, came in a different direction. And he came over my body as such, you know, as I went to try and get to the ball. He just fractionally got there. And the referee deemed it a sending off, which at the time was even, everybody thought was very, very harsh, you know. Um, especially in those days, it's not like the game today. Yeah. You were able to tackle players, you were able to have physical contact. Uh, I'm not even sure if you looked at it today that I'd even get sent off. So that's how I thought, how harsh I thought it was at the time. But anyway, I got sent off, but the good thing was we went on the Monday game, so that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can you give us an insight into what it was like to go from playing GAA for Dublin to then being signed by one, signed by one of the biggest clubs in the world? Yeah, um, yeah. I suppose for all you young guys listening, it's hard to understand how do you go from playing playing football to Dublin to Manchester United. But the thing about it was at that time I was playing both sports, even when I was playing with Dublin, I still continued to play soccer with Pegasus, the postgraduate team from uh, UCD. And uh, it was while I was playing with Pegasus in a, a good, we had a good, a very good um, FAI Cup run. And the main scout, Billy Bean, saw me play and um, he invited me over. He thought it might be good enough to be able to make it at United. Hmm. So um, he invited me over and um, so I spent three days over at United. And after the three days, the manager, Dan, Dave Sexton, you know, offered me a contract. Hi, Kevin, this is Daniel May speaking. Um, so it must have been tough when you moved to Man United. Who was the most welcoming player or figure at the club? It was. It was difficult for me from a point of view of leaving family and friends and all the rest of it. But I was fortunate enough that I was old enough. I was 21 um, at the time. So, you know, I was um, more mature than, say, younger people going there. But I was fortunate as well. At the club, there was a couple of Irish guys there, especially the Dublin guys, like Ashley Grimes and Paddy Roach. And, and they helped me a lot, you know. And then it was very easy to blend in because the other guys um, in the in the club, were, it was a great set of guys and um, everybody would make you welcome. So it was easy in the end. 
And uh, the ultimate question, which sport do you prefer, Gaelic or football? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a really mm. tough one, looking back, because yeah, when I played the Gaelic football, that was the number one, and then you go from leaving it, you know what I mean? I always kept following the dubs, no matter what happened, yeah. I always followed the dubs and followed GAA. But then I spent most of my career in life playing soccer, you say, you know, from 21, I, I retired at 38. And in between that, I had fantastic moments, and especially the moments with Ireland as well. So, you know, it, it is one of them, you know, whatever sport I was playing at the time, that, that was the one I preferred. So, as you previously mentioned, you were spotted by Man United while you were playing with Pegasus. It must have been a complete yeah. change in the way you played football, because you went to a completely new level. How was that transition? Was it difficult to adapt to their level technically? Uh, technically it was. I had a lot to learn technically wise because I had I'd spent a lot of my time in previous years more playing Gaelic football than even soccer. So I had a lot to, to learn technically wise. I was fortunate from um, a fitness point of view because I played with Dublin and we were so fit then at the time. There was no, it was so easy to make the transition over. My level of fitness was as good as anybody at Man United at the time. So that was certainly a big factor that, that would have helped. Um, all I had to do was to try and improve on, on the technical side of things, which over time I, I, I managed to do. Uh, you played with, with and against a lot of the greats. Who stood out to you as the top players? Oh, um, well, certainly if you look at the, 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 I would have played against who would be considered probably the greatest player ever. Even if, you know, there's always debates about whether Maradona is or Messi is at the moment, you know, Ronaldo is. Um, but I played against Maradona on a number of occasions, one for Ireland against Argentina, and the other times was against United. We played them in the, um, in Europe. So, um, that, that was, he would, he would have to be the, the greatest player I ever played against. No doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, out of all the clubs and managers you've played under, who would have been the best or the most influential on your career? Uh, maybe Sir Jack Charlton? Yeah, uh, Jack obviously did, but you don't have as much time with, with Jack. You know, we, we met up for international games, you know, yeah. and you know, we're only talking about meeting up every, you know, half a dozen times a year for only three or four days. So it's not that Jack was influential in what happened for Ireland and what playing with Ireland was awesome under Jack, there's no doubt about that. But probably you'd have to look at the length of time I had with a manager. And the longest time I had with a manager was um, was Ron Atkinson. You know, mm. Ron was there for six years while I was there as well. So, you know, you'd have to say that would be the case. You know, before that day, Sexton was brilliant for me. He helped me an awful lot because I had to learn an awful lot when I was over at the beginning. And he was very instrumental in doing that and helping me through that. And then, of course, I finished with a year and a half under Sir Alex Ferguson. So that was a different management as well, you know, style, which which was different to uh, to learn under and to, to watch as well. So they all helped in many ways, but I suppose Ron was the longest I was there, so he would have to be there. Hmm. Uh, tell us about an unforgettable moment in your career. Oh, dear. Um, I suppose I've always looked back over my whole career and went, winning the All-Ireland in 76 stands out probably more than anything else. Um, because it was the first occasion, playing for the Dublin, playing for the county I was born and raised with as well, in an All-Ireland, against Kerry as well in the Ireland that year. And um, that kind of like stands out. But then other unforgettable moments I'd have to put up there was um, the playing for Ireland when we beat um, England 
in, in Stuttgart. Uh, that certainly was the high point there as well. So you scored 21 goals for Manchester United, 10 goals for Blackburn and 6 for Ireland. Which goal sticks out in your memory? Um, wow, that's a good one. Um, the, most of my goals are headers, you know what I mean, coming forward and um, from the point of view of, say, free kicks, corners or something like that. Um, I suppose there was... In many ways, your first goal, you know, it was played against, it was Norwich City, Ray Wilkins took a quick free kick and put a really good header in, you know, that particular one, because it was the first one, maybe six out. There was none that I scored that were crucial winners, you know what I mean, I had in a game. You know, I remember scoring in a one-all against City in the derby, that was obviously a big one as well, so to score that particular game. So, but there's none that, it was a spectacular one, that's for sure. So thanks so much, Kevin, for coming on and answering our questions. It's been an absolute pleasure no to have you on Blackrock College Radio today. That's all we have time for today. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks, guys. And all thanks. Really thanks, thanks uh, good afternoon, Mark. Welcome to Blackrock College Radio. On behalf of the football team, we are very happy to have you. Uh, Mark is a footballer for University College Dublin and plays in the SSE Electricity, the first division. He attended Blackrock College and graduated in 2017. So, Mark, should we begin with the interview? All right. Uh, so, who did you look up to when you were younger? Uh, I'd say probably my dad, because he was a big footballer. He played when he, he was younger, played with UCD as well, played with Shamrock Rovers. And then, in terms of actual footballers, I'd say, you know, you want to be like the best. So, maybe your Messi's and Ronaldo's. And Frank Lampard, because I was a Chelsea supporter, was a big... Uh, Big player that I looked up to. I tried to model my playing style around him a bit. Alright, nice. Uh, when did he start uh, supporting Chelsea? Uh, when I was, I'd say about three or four. My uncle and godfather is a big Chelsea fan, so he was always buying me Chelsea stuff. So I think I just latched on from there. And uh, yeah, been supporting them ever since. Alright, nice. Uh, so uh, we know you play for UCD now, but um, what clubs did you play for when you were younger? So I began when I was really young at Mount Marion and I played, uh, I played with them for a good, good few years up until about 11 aside. And then we moved, I moved to Cabin Teeley, played for them for a couple of years and then joined UCD at under 17. And I think I've been here five years now. Um, yeah, and so it's flown by. Great stuff. Obviously you've played with quite a lot of players. But who would you say is the best player you've ever played with? Um, I'd say I played with Neil Farujov, Shamak Rovers a lot, because I was playing left back, he was my left winger. And there are times when he was on form, he, we'd win the game. It was just yeah. give the ball to Neil, give the ball to Neil, give the ball to Neil. Gary O'Neill, who plays for Shamak Rovers as well, is also an extremely good footballer, never loses the ball. And, uh, like one touch, two touch, always. And uh, yeah, I'd say those two are probably the best I've played with. And then who's the best player you've ever played against? Um, in terms of toughest, there were guys in the Premier Division last year, so guys like Sean Gannon and Jamie McDonough, who might be the star names, but just the way they're so direct and fit and quick I found tough but then 
in terms of the best player now, I actually played against Erling Haaland when I played. Uh, we played we played in the UEFA Youth League, which is like the under 19 Champions League. And we played against Molda, and uh, we beat them here in the 2-1 in the first first leg, and went over to Norway. And he was with the first team, so I think they thought they'd run over us, but uh, they brought him back for the second leg and came on, and he was the same as he is now, just big, strong, direct. Uh, and it's mad to see what he's gone on to achieve now. And he's still earning 20. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Erling Haaland. Yeah, we obviously know he's a great player, but can you tell us a bit more about that UEFA League journey and how uh, it, it was so good for your experience? I know. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Uh, we qualified because the, the under-19s won the league the year before I was there. And um, as I said, it was a, a two-legged, Thing. So we had them at home. Uh, we played Molda and we had them at home, and I think no one expected us to do anything. Uh, but we ended up bringing in a big crowd, and we beat them two-one, which was unbelievable. One of my best moments in football, I think. And then obviously the experience going over to Norway on the flight with all your teammates was strange because I was only 18, and I really felt like it was a uh, the big time. But uh, it, and playing in a Huge stadium, fifteen thousand. Uh, yeah, it was brilliant against top quality players. Obviously, you see how Haaland's gone on to uh, do. So it's just mad. It was a brilliant time. So you're a student in UCD at the moment, but what do you plan to do after you graduate? Um, I'd like to keep playing football as long as I possibly can, whether that's in Ireland or somewhere else. I don't know. Um. I'm also doing, as I said, I'm doing economics and finance in UC. So I think it's always great to have a backup there in that I can always go into a finance job because obviously football isn't a long career. Uh, so it's good to have something to fall back onto. Uh, but definitely keep playing football as long as possible, uh, as long as I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So uh, heartbreaking stuff uh, a few days ago with the loss to Longford. Uh, how was the game and what do you uh, look forward to next year and what are your ambitions for next year? Yeah, it was tough. Obviously, we were 1-0 up and then they scored in the 90th minute. And then uh, we went 2-1 up an extra time. Then they scored in the 116th minute and got the winner in the 121st. So it was tough to take because you almost felt like we were into the final and then all of a sudden this is my season done and I won't be back till next January. Uh, so it was a it was a tough one to take. I think we all thought as a squad that we could do it and we could get promoted this year. But um, obviously, with next year, it's another year's experience for us all. Hopefully, we'll have the same sort of squad around, same players. I know what you you sometimes you lose players, but to go to other clubs, but a lot of them seem to be wanting to stick around and having that extra year of experience. Hopefully, we can grind out those tougher results during the season so that when we do get into this situation this time next year we can kill the game and we can yeah it won't happen again hopefully yeah so uh, you've been playing with, for UCD for a good few years now how would you describe your spell at UCD yeah I really enjoyed it it's probably one of the best underage clubs to play for definitely in Ireland and probably in the world like I was 19 playing at the 
highest level in Ireland and play, trying to play good football, which helps. It makes it enjoyable. You, you, like I've talked to lads on my team who've come from Sligo, or, uh, and in Sligo, half the time they're just doing running, where it's just all football-based training. You're always on the ball. Your skills, I've had some great managers who taught me so well. Uh, and, yeah, I feel I've improved hugely as a player from when I came at 16 to what I am now, 21. I've changed completely. And it's enjoyable because we're all in college together. It's a good vibe. Everyone's good mates. And uh, it's definitely a brilliant club. And you played with the Leinster schools. Could you tell us how was that? Yeah, again, another enjoyable uh, experience. Luckily, there was a couple from my UC team on it, so it was good to have a couple of mates going in. But yeah, I had to do a good few trials for that. Got in, and it was over a weekend. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, we lost. I think our first game, we had a man sent off. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, it was great to even just compare yourself against the re- the best lads in the country, and just I was that was when I was like, you know what, I'm. I'm up to this standard, I can play. So, uh, yeah, it was good. Alright, uh, now we're coming on to some more lighthearted questions. So, uh, who do you think will win the Premier League this year? Uh, obviously, hope Chelsea will, but I just think we're a bit inexperienced. Uh, so, I think I'll probably end up being Liverpool again, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I think Chelsea will win this year, in my opinion. What do you think, Dave? Um, yeah, Liverpool are looking like a strong side at the moment, so I'd fancy them again. And who do you think will win the Champions League this year? Um, I wouldn't put a past Bayern to do it again. Uh, I think they've just got such a strong squad and they haven't really lost anyone. They lost obviously Thiago, but they have Kimmich in there as well. Um, and then it'll just be the usual guys around. Real will be around there somehow. I think City could do a job this year because I don't think the Premier League means as much to them this year and it's definitely that thing that they constantly fail in the Champions League. So uh, I, I'd see, I can see a City-Bayern final and then whoever wins that will win. Alright, uh, so the Ballon d'Or is kind of up for grabs this year. You said your idol was Messi. Uh, do you think he could win it for one of the last times this year or maybe Ronaldo or De Bruyne maybe even? Who do you think is going to win the Ballon d'Or this, this year? This year, uh, you'd have to probably go with Lewandowski. He scored something like over a goal a game, won the Champions League, won every German Cup. Obviously, I'd love to see Messi win it. He's probably my favourite player. But uh, Barcelona aren't really doing great at the minute, so it's hard to give it to him this year. Hopefully, he'll be back next year, though. Because, uh, well, sorry, back. He's still playing unbelievable, but... Not to the levels we expect of him. Yeah, all right. Anyways, Mark. On, be, on behalf of the football team, we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to come and talk to us. Yeah, thanks, Emil, for having me. Thanks so much. See you. Thank you. Thanks. On today's Quick Fire Quiz, we are joined by BlackRock soccer coach Mr. O'Brien and captain who is six years student, Riley Smith. Welcome to the show. So, how, how's training going this year, Mr. O'Brien? Riley here beside me wouldn't be the sharper tool in the either, so uh, it's, yeah, listen, it's going well. So has, what's the standard of the squad like this year? Very good actually, uh, surprisingly again, with some of the some of the 
individuals we have training with us every day. It's, it makes it a bit difficult at times, but in fairness, they're uh, they're very very good. And hopefully, after Christmas, when the competitions start up, we'll be uh, competing at the latter end of the competitions. Well, that's good to good to hear. How what do you think, Riley? Yeah, like, I think it's a good sign of squad yeah got a good bit of depth yeah so today's quiz is going to consist of three rounds they'll have 30 seconds to answer five questions the teams of the rounds are current premier league premier league history and the euros and world cup does that make sense to both of you you want to check with riley because you might want to say that again because poor out riley here would be the brightest as he said yeah right so ocean's ocean's gone first okay Mr. O'Brien, you are up first. Are Let's you ready? Go. Let's go. Okay, your 30 seconds start now. What Prem game had the most goals this weekend? Uh, uh, Aston Villa game. Who won the Man of the Match award in the Arsenal versus United game? Oh, um, partly. Who scored Man City's only goal against Sheffield United? Oh my God. Um... Uh, uh, um, oh Christ, I can't even think of a City player. Who, Sterling. Who was the only Sterling. player to get sent off this weekend? Say it a, again. Who was the only player to get sent off this weekend? Sent off? Okay, good. A, Connor Cody. B, Milojevic. C, Ogbonna. Say it again, I couldn't hear you. Uh, who was the only player No, I know that. Get, Three players. Uh, a, Connor Cody. Okay. B, uh, Crystal Palace, Milojevic. And C, Ogbonna. Who? Ogbonna. Who's he playing for? West Ham. Uh, a, B or C? Did West Ham have Manson off? Go for B, Crystal Palace. Uh, and five. Who scored Liverpool's winner against West Ham? Uh, your man who played for Wolves, Jota. Um, so, okay, Riley, it's your turn. Uh, ready to go. Your 30 seconds starts now. What was the score in the Chelsea versus Burnley game? 2 uh, 1. Which, uh, which player didn't score a brace this weekend? Uh, a, uh, Ward Prowse, B, Shea Adams, or C, Callum Wilson? Shea Adams. Uh, who did Spurs play last, uh, last weekend? Brighton. Uh, what Premier League teams are in the relegation zone? Fulham, Sheffield United, and Burnley. Uh, and what Chelsea player got injured in the pre-game warm-up? Pulisic. Mr. O'Brien, you started a fourth-year development squad this year. So, like, what was the reason behind that? Mr. O Mr. O'Neill bullied me. Yeah, fair enough. So. No, it's just to give guys an opportunity to play football. Yeah, okay. That's a good reason. So round two is Premier League history. So Mr. O'Brien went first in the last round. So these, these are easy enough. So Riley's going up first. Riley, are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Right. Question one. Who is the highest scoring Premier League football player ever? Alan Shearer. Who scored the fastest goal and what team did they play for? Fastest goal. I don't know. No. That's a very tough question three. Which player scored the fastest hat trick in the Premier League? Sadio Mane. Mm. Question four. Manchester United have won the most Premier League titles with 13, but which club is second on the list? Chelsea. <laughs> I don't know. Question five. Which club holds the record for most points in the Premier League season? City. Yep. Hey, what, what did I get for? I'll find out in a second, really. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Ryan's <laughs> okay. So, question one. Which player has provided the most Premier League assists? Gareth Barry. Question two. 
<laughs> Only one African player has been named player of the season in Premier League. Didier Drogba. What's wrong with Didier Drogba? Hold on a second, these lads are laughing. <laughs> one African player's only ever got. I obviously got it wrong. What was the question? You can stop. Yeah, it was uh, only one African player has been named player of the season in Premier League history. Did Drogba never get it? No, of course not. All right, question, question three. Of course not. Question oh, three. No, no, no. Which goalkeeper has recorded the most? I think, sorry. Sh which goalkeeper has recorded the most clean she sheets in the league's history? Peter Shaq. Question four. Who is the highest scoring non-English player in the league's history? Non-English. Thierry non -English. Henry. Mario, uh, question 10. Mario Balotelli recorded a Premier League assist on one occasion. Which teammate did he set up? Sergio Aguero. Okay. Up history. Mr. Brian, you're first. Are you ready? I hope so. Okay. Question 1. Who's the all-time leading goal scorer in World Cup history? Uh, Miroslav Klose. Who scored the winning goal for Portugal in the year 2016? Oh my God. The fella. I can picture him. Oh, 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 no, pass. Who hosted, back to it. Who hosted the 2010 World Cup? 2010 World Cup? Uh, South Africa. Who, who, what country is the 2022 World Cup being hosted in? Uh, Qatar. Which country was Maradona playing against when he did the hand of God? England. Okay. Who, uh, I know I got the second one wrong. Uh, it's there. Draw three to win. <laughs> okay, yeah. Roddy, you're up next. Okay, question one. Which country has won the most World Cups? Brazil. Who scored the goal of the tournament in the 2014 World Cup? James Rodriguez. Who scored, oh, no. who scored the header for Ireland in Euro 2016 against Italy? Robbie Brady. Who was the top scorer in the 2018 <laughs> World Cup? He said these are difficult. <laughs> what? Who was the top scorer in the 2018 World Cup? Um. Mbappe. Which country hosted year hosted year twenty sixteen? France. Yeah. Hold on a second. <laughs> I just asked a question. You said those questions were difficult in World Cup ones. I know you can get five out of five. But that's very easy. You gave him you, you handed to him on a plate. He's literally picked the most difficult questions for me in round two. You set me up to lose to him. <laughs> now I've got to train today and I'm going oh no, yeah, I'm gonna get abuse. First time I've ever lost. You're giving us some difficult they were questions. Fair questions. They were fair questions. Very fair. My first, my first round was much harder. Those, those first, the questions he had there for the for Premier League. The, no, not the Premier League. The last one, the World Cup. The first three were so easy. You got a pretty easy one. You got two. Yeah. The World Cup and places. Who's hosting the final? Which one did I get wrong? Oh, there. Yeah. 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 Everyone remembers Robbie Brady scoring against. Why didn't you ask him who scored Ireland's only goal in Euro 2012? Wasn't it Steve Moore or something? Steve, who? <laughs> <laughs> and you made up these questions. I didn't no make these ones up. I didn't make them. No, yeah. I can make difficult questions. Twenty twelve. I was, uh, I was ten in twenty twelve. Yeah, who scored one goal? Chance Ledger against Croatia. Mr. O'Brien, you had the upper hand for this. I don't think you should be complaining. But he's he's, he's got, got age on his side as well. Yeah, so you, you got, got four years of you got four years of experience. <laughs> four years of experience. Yeah. Thanks for the compliment. I'll take that. No, four years of, of these. Of these. Yeah, but like the other ones were actually decent questions. It was a debate. We had time to disc
quick fires and suit me. Well done, Riley. Well, that's Thanks, it. man. That's yeah. the end of that. Yeah. Hi, Willie. Thanks for joining us today on Blacker College Radio. It's great to have you in. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me. No problem. All right, so you enjoyed a great professional career playing in a number of top clubs over the years. So let's take a look at where it all started for you. So I read an article that Everton, who are in the Premier League, Villa, who are in the Premier League, and Coventry, who are in League One, oh, sorry, Championship, were all interested in signing you. So you chose Coventry. What was your reasoning behind this choice? Um, yeah, I, as a kid, I went over and trials to, to those clubs, and they all wanted to sign me. Um, I had relatives in the Midlands who weren't living too far away from Coventry, um, and I also knew a few lads through the international underage setup that were over at Coventry as well. So that kind of swayed me wanting to sign with Coventry City at the time. And I also felt that, you know, Everton, Villa were big clubs. Coventry at the time were in the Premier League, probably weren't as big a club and probably would have given me an easier opportunity to impact the first team. Yeah. So did it did that uh, help you settle in easier, knowing people there? Yeah, a lot easier. The setup with Coventry at the time, there was a lodge um on the on the training ground so all the U team players you stay in the lodge, even the local lads you have to stay there all week. So it was a good opportunity to build and to have a bit of team bonding and you're looked after um very, very well there and I stayed there for two years. So that helped me settle in with knowing that the fact that at weekends I could go and visit um family down the road and also I had a lot of lads who I was familiar with already um in the lodge. Grant. So um, Coventry was clearly a great choice for you as you got the opportunity to make your Premier League debut at the age of 18. So tell us about what you can remember from that day. Um, I think I was 17 at the time. Um, I don't know, you might be right, I might be 8, <laughs> no, probably 17 I think. It was oh. the first season. It's toward the end of the season. Um, I'd been promoted from the youth team into the reserves, um, played quite a few games in the reserves, did well. Uh, it was the second last game of the season. Bobby Gould, the manager at the time, said he'd bring me along for experience in the squad. And he told me then just an hour before kick-off that I would be on the bench, which I was a little bit nervous and excited about. So I was at Stamford Bridge. Um, and I managed to get on for the last 15 minutes. Didn't do an awful lot, didn't touch the ball much, but it was a great experience just to be on that pitch in front of that amount of people. Yeah. Was it nerve-wracking with uh, a lot of pressure on you and with the atmosphere in the stadium? Yeah, no, I think... I think initially when you're there and you're on the bench and you're looking at the whole situation, it's nerve-wracking going, getting ready to go on there. But once you get on the pitch, that kind of fades away and you try you try and just get on with the game. But it, obviously, you know, it is nerve-wracking uh, because you've never played at that level before and you don't know how you're going to cope. Um, and all those sort of emotions are mixed in. But uh, once you get on that pitch, the surrounding noise and sound seems to fade out. Yeah. So you went on to make 63 appearances for Coventry before moving to Cardiff. So what prompted the move to Cardiff? Well, I was coming up to the age of 24. I wasn't a regular in the side. Um, I hadn't played an awful lot of games um, the previous season. And I was coming up to my 24th birthday, um, which at that stage you could you could leave the club under the Bosman rule. And Coventry did offer me another contract, but it was only really talking contract because I wasn't playing the first team um, so I felt I probably should have left a year or two beforehand because um, I was getting to the age where you needed to play first team football but I stayed there um, and I felt to further my own career in relation to playing more games at first team level I needed to move on. 
Perfect. So you played 243 times for Cardiff and won the player view in 2002. What were the main highlights from your time at Cardiff? Yeah, a lot of highlights. I really enjoyed my, my time there. I felt as if I made an impact when I was there. In, in, the, in, the, in what I mean is that I would play regularly and I was an important player, um, part of the team. Um, I think the highlights would have been we, we got two promotions. We won the playoff final. Um, we beat Leeds in the FA Cup. At that stage, we're top of the Premier League and had a super team. We were only in League One at the time. Um, and obviously, winning Player of the Year, and and I suppose keeping down a regular regular spot on the team for most of the seven years that I was there was also, um, you know, a highlight. Very good. Okay. You, you played for a few different clubs over the years: Coventry, Cardiff, Hartlepool. Can you tell us which club you most enjoyed being at? Cardiff City would have been the club I enjoyed most being at because I felt, as stated in, in the previous answer, that I was an important part of the the squad stroke team. I played a lot of games there. Um, we had a we had a fair bit of success there. Um and I felt I, I played at Cardiff when I was at the peak of my career, um, between the ages of twenty four and thirty. So I think I was playing really well and I really enjoyed my time there and I was playing a lot as well. How you followed Cardiff, like in their form, obviously pushing for promotion to Premier League last season, lost to Renford in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I I, I always keep a look over my previous teams. Um you know, I've got a lot of friends still in Coventry and Cardiff and, and up around the North East where, where I used to play for Hartlepool and I follow the results every week and, um, you know, I look out for them and with, with the hope that they get decent results week in, week out. All right, so you enjoyed a very successful career. What do you think the highlight of your career was? Um, it's a difficult one, to be honest with you. I, I just feel the promotions in Cardiff, the, the sense of achievement and the relief of, because there was a lot of pressure on us to get those promotions as well. I think having achieved that un, under the pressure that we were under and, and um, obviously the success that goes along with that, um, I would say that they would have been the highlights of my career. All right. So, and in contrast to that, what was the toughest moment, moment of your career and how did you recover from it? Good question. Um, there's been quite a few. Um, my first season in Cardiff was a bit of a disaster. I'd moved from Coventry, which was a bit of a culture shock, from a, a, a Premier League club down to a League One club at the time. The facilities, the players, um, the, the opposition, the, the, uh, the training. Um, there was there was a drop down in, in quality, and it took me a while to adjust to that. And although initially I started off quite well in pre-season, as the season went on, I tended to struggle, and I went through a period of, of where I lost my confidence. Um, and I was out of the team for a couple of months, and looking back at it, it was um, it was a, it was a really tough time, disappointing time, and a hard time. And professional footballers go through that, which a lot of people don't see that. Uh, and even the ones who get paid an awful lot of money, you know, you see them struggling sometimes on the pitch because their confidence is low, and and they can't play to the to the best of their ability because of that. And I went through that phase my first year in Cardiff, but managed to get myself together the following season and had a really good season, and I kicked on from there. Very good. So you played in the Premier League, the Championship, the League One and the League Two. Which do you think was the toughest league to play in? Not a good question. Um, you know, automatically people would say the Premier League because the amount of quality that's there. But I felt that in the Premier League, teams play a lot more football and you do tend to get a little bit more time on the ball. 
Um, but obviously Europe begins really, really good players as well who can punish you uh, and it can make, it can make a fool of you. But I think o- overall, the toughest one was possibly the championship because I had a mix of everything. And there were some really good players there. It was tough and it was quick. Um, there wouldn't be an awful lot of time on the ball. Um, and I just felt that it's always a tough league in relation to there's a lot a lot of the teams could beat each other um, week in, week out. And it was never really a, an easy ride. And, and um, you felt every week you were in for a tough game, no matter who you are up against. Yeah. So you played predominantly as a central midfielder. What do you think your main strengths were and what do you think the manager was looking for you to do in the team? Um, I, I think my main strength was I was definitely a team player um, and my work rate. You know, obviously you have to have a certain amount of technical ability and uh, qualities needed to be to play at that level. But what I had was I had drive and determination, which I brought to every training session and to every game. And, and that would lift people around me and, and, and bring the tempo of, of training up. Um, and I was a team player where I would do I would do that nitty gritty hard work for other people where and other players would go and express themselves. So I would say that could be my main qualities um, as part of a team uh, and and individually. I had, to, I had to adapt, I had to change my game. Um, you know, when I first went to England, I was seen more of an attacking midfielder, but I gradually kind of withdrew back into the more defensive side of the midfielder because of the qualities that I had. And I could read the game very well. Um, and that's why it was suited for me to be in that position. The Premier League has changed a lot since you were playing it over the years. In your view, what are the main drivers of that change? Well, um, the popularity of the Premier League and the influx of, of, of more foreign players and more quality foreign players at that. Um, also, what you've had as well is the academy system has really kicked in, where that only came in about 15 years ago and now what you're seeing now is is a lot of really good young English players coming through and you can see the quality of those English players whereas you know you look back 15 20 years ago you might have a handful of English players that you would look at and think oh he's technically really good he's like a European style player where now you've you've got a lot more um in that England team who are you know top quality players but you've also got the influx of of, of more foreign top class players as well so it's the amount of money that the Premier League is making as well, um, you know, from Sky and from other sponsors, has been able to make clubs go out there and spend that money on the top, top players in Europe, but also at the same time invest in their academies and bring through the English young players. Right, so the introduction of VAR has been a talking point both last season and this season. Would you have liked to have VAR during your time? Listen, I, I, I look at VAR now and a lot of people whinging and moaning about it, but there's nothing worse than finishing the game knowing that the referee has made a mistake and a poor decision and you've lost that game. What it does is it writes the majority of 50-50 decisions. Yes, you're always going to have some contentious decisions. And yes, people are whinging about it slowing down the game. But ultimately, for the most part, you're getting the right decision in the end. And yes, there's going to be one or two decisions here and there, but overall, I would say yes to that question simply because you know you're you're going to get the decision that should have been made. As an Irishman, do you think Thierry Henry's handball had any influence in your choice there? How do you mean? When uh, the playoff for the World Cup, when he handballed it. Oh, I know that. What you mean for VAR? No, that hasn't got anything got to do with it. It's it's just in general. But yes, you know that was a handball. 
and it was awful for, for us as a nation at the time. But there was a lot of other things going on as well. You know, you even look further back and look at Maradona's handball against England in the 86 World Cup. There's been loads of instances over the past where you look at it, which was quite blatant for, for most people, but the referee didn't spot it. So I think VAR nullifies that now. Another recent change is the absence of fans from stadiums. How important are fans in a match day? And could you have imagined playing a season behind closed doors? No, it'd be very strange. Very, very strange. Um, you know, fa- fans... The atmosphere in the game really does have an impact on the pace of the game, I feel. You know, when, you, when you're at home playing in front of your crowd and you can hear them, they're G'd up for the game, it does give you that lift. I, I think it must be really difficult for the players at the moment to, um, you know, I wouldn't say motivate themselves. They're always self-motivated and, and they always will be up for a game. But I just feel sometimes the energy from the crowd can lift the players as well on, on occasions. And what it's going to do is it's going to, um, it's going to even up that home and away advantage quite a lot. Very good. So, since you've retired from playing, you've had a number of coaching roles at academies in both the UK and Ireland. So, to conclude, what are the top pieces of advice that you'd give to young players looking to develop their game? Um, I mean, you need you need to love the game. If you want to be a better player, you need to love it. Um, you know, there's only one or two small examples of players who made it to the top who didn't love the game. If you don't love the game, then just... You know, just accept the fact that you're not going to get to the level, um, the top level. But that, and that's fine, that's okay. You can enjoy the game and have a bit of fun, no problem. But if you want to try and make it to the top and be the best player that you can be, you need to love the game, you need to be doing things in your own time, away from training sessions. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, I had the football out all the time. Picking up against the wall, I was challenging myself against older players, I was pushing myself against older lads along the road. Um, you know, I was all, always, get a tennis ball at home and throwing up against the wall testing my touch just love it and and practice as much as you can do uh, and you also got to accept the disappointments because they're part and parcel of the life and football that you're going to go through phases where things aren't going to go right for you and that's where you build up and being a footballer you need to be mentally very very tough and building up that resilience at a young age is important Thanks for your advice, Willie. That's all for today. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks again for joining us on Black or Coloured Radio. Cheers. Thanks a lot, lads. Bye. Thanks. Bye.